and welcome to the All Japan Women's Destiny podcast. I'm your host, JD. Welcome to another episode as we go through the history of All Japan Women's Professional Wrestling through the classics episodes that you can find uh, on various places of the internet. I vastly encourage to follow along and learn and enjoy the history of this just awesome women's wrestling promotion of the past. This is a spin-off in conjunction with the Red Leaf Retrocast. That is the proper episode where these come from. It is myself and Kay running through the history of All Japan Women. And these episodes, we hope you enjoy our audio and our uh, discussions over the various wrestlers and the matches in which we go through the ages. If you like what you hear and you want more content, please consider checking out the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, all one word, where we also cover LLPW, K covers JD Star, various other uh, women's wrestling promotions of the past, and the project that the whole reason it exists is the Joshi 2010's journey, where we go through coming out of the dark ages of Joshi professional wrestling and really learning and having fun with wrestlers that we're very familiar with to this day to ones that we may have missed out on. I hope you enjoy the audio you're about to hear covering AJW. And if you want more, please, again, consider signing up to the Patreon and leaving us reviews over at iTunes, Spotify, and the like, all your favorite podcasting outlets in which you listen to AJW and the Redley Fletcher cast. Enjoy. And it is time for, I guess, our All Japan Destiny podcast section as we get into the retro. retro. (laughs) Is the retro stuff of the podcast. Here we are, Kay. AJW, the good shit. It was a lot of good shit on this show. There was. A lot of violence, too. (laughs) Yeah, excellent violence. I really like this. And you could actually find uh, the full versions uh, on, like, Billy Billy. If you're familiar with that site. Oh, yeah. yeah. For a second, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out where you were going with that. Yeah. So Billy Billy is a like a Japanese daily motion type site. And right. if I think you, it's Chinese. Is it Chinese? You're wrong. I think it might be. I don't know. I All I know is that if I type in matches through a Google Translate uh, into Japanese and then search on that site, you can kind of find almost anything. <laughs> Hey, what do I know? Uh, I I just thought it was the Chinese side. I, I don't even have any idea. I don't know. It don't could be, it could be Taiwanese for all I know. But uh, I was able to find the full versions of the Kyoko Inoue Bonacano match, uh, the full version of the Shimoda Yoshida versus Hasegawa Malenko tag match. Um, and then we basically saw the entire uh, Jungle Jack uh, uh, Toyota Yamada tag. On the classic, yeah, I pretty much saw the entire thing. Yeah, uh, was there any? Re- did you? Did you? Uh, was it better that they cut those portions down, or was it uh, better that they didn't? Uh, I'm. You saw. I'm kind of in the middle on it, where I could live without it. Uh, it wasn't incredibly boring, where you wouldn't miss out on anything, or you where you. It it wasn't so bad where you it needed to be cut, but it also wasn't so great where you felt like you missed anything so it's pretty pretty uh pretty fair to cut that out then i think yeah i didn't have an issue with it it's just a, a streamlined match because the classics uh everything is an hour and then when you got three matches that go 20 minutes <laughs> or two matches that go over 20 and then one goes 37 you only have a finite amount of time in that classic episode but uh i didn't yeah. regr- i didn't regret watching it if anything i thought the kyoko inoue bolnakano match was the weakest of the three that's interesting because i think what we got of the match i thought was actually pretty pretty good yeah uh i, I really wish these classic episodes would stop throwing akemi torisu on my screen <laughs> they want you to get her own. She's getting over, man. They want you to know that. The the sooner she retires, the better for my enjoyment. She lost weight. We, apparently, in this one, she lost a lot of weight. It looked like she didn't look like the, the giant uh, boulder walking to the ring. Well, 
I wish I could say she lost skill as well, but eh, that's as low as it goes. She never had skill. She never had skill to begin with. <laughs> you can't lose what you don't have. She's less lumbering, so I guess that's a positive. <laughs> she kind of moves a little bit faster if by going like negative five miles an hour to like five miles an hour. Well, she's no longer going backwards, if that's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so we're at March 20th, 1992. Uh, Cork and Hall show from All Japan Women. This is the classics where you can find on Pierosa Dream, uh, aired on Samurai TV. It's episode 56. What's your so as as I'm kind of going through All Japan Women Destiny, getting getting it all caught up for uh that side of the podcast, which you can you can listen to kind of our old audio, uh catch up. Maybe there's some new things I throw in at the beginning of the podcast, because now we're firmly in where you came on to uh the yeah. red red leaf retrocast pro- proper era and your audio is now up to snuff <laughs> yeah my audio is way it's i'm not recording off of my cell phone anymore yeah very very much appreciated uh from 89 when we had the retirements and then into 90 where they were struggling to try to just get anyone over other than bull nakano from what we saw in 1991 where now we have kyoko inoue's over uh, Minami Tori, uh, Toshio Yamada have their rivalry going. Aja Kong and Jungle Jack are just firmly entrenched as as tag champions. What is your heat gauge? I'm I'm really into that kind of that 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 phrase lately. In thermostat gauge. Yeah, your how high is your thermostat on <laughs> on your feeling for where all Japan women currently are and where they've come since 91 just a few months into 1992 i think we're at currently right now i think we're at the the very start i like to think of the uh the the third boom you know the first boom was in the 70s uh, the second the 80s and this is the third one the one that people remember uh so i think we're getting we're starting to get to the beginning of that because we have Aja Kong who's red hot uh and I was incorrect thinking that I thought she had won the belt in spring. She wins the belt at the end of this year, but you kind of, I feel like Cole's kind of where she's, she's kind of peaked at where she's at. You've got uh, Toyota who you're trying to, to build up. Same with Yamada. I think we're right at the beginning of that, of the boom. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's as big. I think it's more fondly remembered by people. Especially us over here in the West, as we more fondly uh, look at that this era, because it's the era I think most people would check out AJW with the Manami Toyotas and Hokutos and stuff like that. I, I feel like they never hit the highs of the 80s, and I don't think the 90s even touch where they were with the Crush guys. And the crowds don't even sound anything the same like they did in the 80s. You don't get the, the raucous cheering for anybody, and you don't get the, the constant buzzing coming from the crowd either. It's also kind of a noticeable noticeable difference. It's a very different audience, too. If you look, just look out in the crowd, a lot more men, a lot less women. It's it's very interesting kind of seeing where they're at now, but I think, I think where everyone's at currently, as we know, historically, they all sort of rise up. Manami Toyota becomes the GOAT. Aja Kong cements herself as this big, larger-than-life monster. Uh, Bodokano leaves and goes to CMLL or AAA. I forget which one. CMLL. So and uh, Kyoko Inoue kind of has her ascent to the top. Ota stays at the bottom where she belongs. I-, I think we started seeing all that. Also, notable, we're only, at this point, one month away from the relaunch of JWP. It just, they had just split and closed down in this month, the timeline. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because one of my thought processes uh, did involve the JWP split. And as you know, on the Patreon, Redleaf Retrocast, you can sign up $5 tier. Uh, I'm doing the LLPW reviews. And uh, for the remainder of 1992 uh, is Kandorian Company really trying to get something going on their end. And it involves yeah. it involves a little excursion, if you want to call it, into the AWA territory, <laughs> yeah. uh, with some with some questionable folks over in Minnesota. And then or Jim Cornette, <laughs> yeah. And then throughout the summer, it's a lot because that's well, not shockingly, falling through. Is Kandori and JWP are kind of allocating funds, if you will. Uh, they're they're trying to reestablish because they lost you know half you know the roster split so now you have to 
reestablish and establish stars. And give me give me your thoughts on this because LLPW had a hell of a time trying to get buzz and uh, I don't want to use the word heat for it, but get some sort of momentum, attention. momentum and attention behind them. And cause Kandori just couldn't really do it alone. And Eagle, as much as I love Eagle Sawai and Rumi Kazuma and company, they weren't that big of stars comparatively uh, to be able to get that buzz around them. So they really struggled just getting that money because you can you can see on kind of old LLPW DVDs when they were first starting that they're they're really trying to they're hitting the streets they're they're peddling tickets they're doing like free autograph sign they're doing everything they can to just kind of fill up the first cork and show that I was able to find old articles that they were trying to get that cork in as early as April here but they weren't able to cement even enough tickets down, so it kept getting pushed back until about that November time frame. Uh, yeah. And that's... And what 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 have you learned or seen from JWP around this time as well? So, uh, the interesting thing is uh, they had two giant things working against them. Uh, their style, uh, be more shoot style, and that kind of falling well, out of LLPW, favor with a lot of fans. Yeah. LLPW. Uh, but I think the bigger one, I think you kind of touched on a little bit, all of the big names that were in JWP, uh, Dynamite Kansai, Mayumi Ozaki, Kyuri Suzuki being the big one, mm-hmm. uh, they stayed in JWP. Like When when Kendori left, she literally just took Eagle Sawai with her. That was kind of the only big deal that she took with her from the company. And Eagle Sawai, as much as they were building up as the big heel, uh, she was always the secondary heel to Devil Masami, who stayed in JWP. So they always had a lot of that working against them, and they never really, I don't think they ever really recovered from that, because they never really established anybody. Like, if you think about all the big names that came out of LPW, they don't, they pale in comparison to JWP, Gaia, or, and uh, more importantly, AJW, right? And you mentioned the Corrigan stuff, right? Uh, another interesting little tidbit, probably why they struggled to get tickets, or struggled to, to get their event going, is unlike today, where you can rent Corrigan, then sell tickets, right? At this point, AJW was pretty much the, the only Joshi company running it on a regular basis. And so if you wanted to run it, you had to prove that you could at least sell enough for them to feel like you warranted having a slot taken that they could have given to AJW or another company. So you had to have those tickets up front. Otherwise, you were not getting at the venue. And I think it was by some luck that they even got LOPW even got to get enough to get that Corgan well, show. You know what was the major factor in LLPW getting off the ground by getting those tickets sold? Well, Ken Dory, but what, what else? Norio Tateno. Sure about that? <laughs> yes, I'm absolutely sure, because it was shortly after her announcement with LLPW that the tickets sold. Well, I, I get it. I think they used a lot of the uh, former member of Jumping Bomb Angels as a selling point. Kinda yeah, that was the that was the huge factor. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you brought up JWP. They still had Kansai. They still had Ozaki, Cutie Suzuki, and company. E- even Plum Mariko. Uh, uh, as as I was finding more articles over this just this era, this this early '92 to late '92 time frame, where there was so much movement in the in the women's wrestling industry because. Also, in America, on the Western side, uh, Medusa is now in this like seemingly relaunch of the women's division in WWF. Uh, they're they're kind of in in the works for a lot of that. Uh, Alundra Blaze is what she ends up going by. So there's a lot there. There's just a lot of interesting movement here. And when we're looking at this card, this is a huge turning point, I think, for the next that next stage for AJW because from 1990 to about this point, even though we got a lot of good wrestling, good matches, strong built main events, Jungle Jack and the split of Gokuman uh, Toe was a very hot storyline to really get this promotion back uh, pumping some blood. Uh, We're now seeing, especially from this Corican show here, uh, crowds are back. For AJW, which oh, yeah, is some, which is something back. we definitely saw them struggling with for a good for a good year and a half with that fan uh, 
that fan change over time, which was really kind of cool to see in context and and over over that time frame. Yeah. Also, I think uh, it goes without mentioning because we we noticed that Jaguar Dakota was on commentary, and uh, I think in certain shows, Chigus and the guy on line is Oscar on commentary. They are desperately trying to hold on to those people because they are afraid that like Devil Masami leaving, that if one of them left, it would make it harder for them. They would have to actually start competing with JWP as opposed to like not taking them as seriously like they have been doing this to mm-hmm. this point. They would have to actually start trying to compete. And I don't think the Matsunagas were keen on spending the kind of money that they would have needed to to compete if like say Chikusa left because they would <laughs> that that'd be, that'd be pretty bad as we saw when, when she started gaia that was like oh shit everyone just going over there now okay jesus yeah it's a it's a really cool interesting facet of how and it's 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 not just the joshi world where that massive change from the 80s to the 90s were felt because you look at wrestling throughout the industry whether it's new japan all japan uh, and WC, uh, the, the Jim Crockett era has now moved on to the WCW era, and you just see a lot of wacky shit going on over there. And let's face it, there was a huge cultural shift from the 80s to the 90s throughout the world, and wrestling is super interesting to follow from how that change uh, affected them and how they how you look at it. And in a lot of ways, even though technically... We didn't see as big a boom uh, in AJW from the 80s. Here in the 90s, it's much more well regarded, at least here in the West, with the higher work rate. I think uh, it definitely had a much more robust roster in terms of in-ring ability. The style changed with the times, which I think is very important as yeah, as you go through any era of wrestling. And stuff. So I had like cage matches and more weaponry field matches, which was more inspired uh, from the combination of the the sort of popularity of FMW, yep, as well as the ECW uh, attitude era sort of influence that they were seeing across the seas. Because some of them, uh, at least a lot of the promoters, it seems like were actually watching uh, the attitude era because they were popular, and a lot of those wrestlers were also coming over to Japan whenever they did tours. So it was very much uh, trying to capture that. You can whether it's good or not is up for debate. I think Gaia probably did it the best because they were just no nonsense about it. They were more hardcore and in your face about everything with those sort of sort of deals. It was more of a stiffer promotion. It felt like mm-hmm. I, uh, AJW trying to dabble into that was always the weird thing, and it kind of alienated some of their fans even so early on as the Bulnakano Ajikong cage matches. I think we'll see a few more later on where it starts the fans start sort of not liking things. I don't think that's part of the downfall, but I do think that's something that I have at least come across in sort of researching that was very interesting to see that fans were not too keen on people getting put through tables, at least for the AJW. <laughs> well, that's not what, what the audience was trained to enjoy and like. The audience was different. Again, a lot more men. So what are they there for? They're not there for the, the hulking monsters. Like, Aja Kong was popular, but she wasn't popular with the men as much as she was the women, but little that they still had of those fan base. Uh, the men wanted Minami Toyotas and, and Hokuto's, the beautiful women. And so they don't want to see the beautiful women they're buying merchandise from go through tables. I have a, also kind of a problem that we see even nowadays, reach into nowadays in terms of the Joshi scene. So let's start off with this card. This is their March 20th show, uh, Saint Battle Day. Very, uh, uh, it's an I annual... I to take that name. <laughs> it's it's their it's their annual kind of saint patrick's day show just kind of on that day it's called saint battle day we start with uh well there was a uh, a match prior i got the whole card here so we can kind of go through it Ooh, yeah karu ito and miori kamiya defeat etsuko mita and shiho nak nakamagawa there's a name nakamagawa okay <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard that name. Me neither. Okay, let's 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 click on her name. Let's see what we, let's see what comes up here for fun. I have like a, a storied career for like ten years or something. Like we found out a certain person like I was a Yuki Lee had like a nine year career. Uh, also known as Shiho Subaki, retired in 2016. A 25 year career. K. Well, shit. I, I I I'm pretty sure I've probably seen her on some kind of old like Diana posters or something, but I have not heard this name. before. Well, I'm looking at cage match here. 
And it looks like she retires shortly after this match and then comes back for Taka Michinoku's promotion, K-Dojo, in 2008. <laughs> oh, yeah, she goes back for the illustrious K-Dojo that, like, died in a couple years after that, I think, right? Did yeah. K-Dojo die in, like, 2012? Uh, well, <laughs> something like that. And then she showed up at a YMZ show in 2015. So, yeah, obviously everyone knows about uh, about this woman. Maybe she had a... YMZ, big league promotion. Yeah, uh, I'd like to think that cage match is incredibly accurate, and we must uh, take everything that's on there as gospel. So, clearly, she didn't wrestle from 92 to 2008. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Watch, she actually probably did. We just, it, just, it wasn't documented because it didn't matter. She didn't do anything. Okay. Uh, AJW junior title, so your uh, your future junior title <laughs> match here. It's Yuki Lee against Akemi Ter- Torisu. A time Be terrible uh, Sue. <laughs> a time limit draw, ten minutes. This is atrocious. Don't bother. Akemi Torisu is uh, just as terrible as her name. Yeah. And the next two matches I was able to find, also on Billy Billy, it is uh, Suzuka Minami and Yumiko Hota. Defeats Bat Yoshinaga and Tomoko Watanabe. Ten minutes. That was terrible. Jesus. It's as Hota bad as and Bat. <laughs> yeah, it's as bad as you can imagine. Um, Tomoko and Ooh. Suzuka Manami were able to kind of string something together, but not not very good. And it doesn't sound like that's classics worthy. <laughs> uh, it did not make the classics, and I'm glad for it. Akira Hokuto defeats Takako Inoue, six minutes, little on the short side, wasn't really able to get much going there, but there was a couple couple good sequences, Akira Hokuto wins, uh, not something to go out of your way and watch, I'll admit. No, but it, the interesting thing we're probably going to start seeing on the, the sort of topic of Hokuto is, uh, I believe it's 93, I could be slightly mistaken, but it's like around 93 that she starts going part-time. Yeah, the injuries start really piling up on her. Could be a little mistaken with the year, but I do know in 93 she wasn't full-time wrestler because she wasn't a full-time wrestler by the time they hit the big egg in April of yeah. uh, November. I'm sorry, November of uh, of 94. Well, I mean, it's it's very much on record that the AJW schedule uh, was very harsh. A lot of shows, a lot of wrestling. They'd split the roster in half so they can do double the shows. And the expectation of the wrestlers was you must go, go, go every single match. And it there's no slowdown. There's no like stardom does with their house shows where they kind of don't put in like the full like match quality. They don't put in all the effort. Someone take a night off. If you don't didn't do that in HW, no. <laughs> we're allowed. Is is very rough time, uh very high expectations. There's a famous quote from uh, both jumping bomb angels when they went over to America <laughs> and they were relieved that they didn't have to go hard every single night, which is really funny because when you watch them wrestle in the WWF against uh, the glamour girls, that it looks like they're still going hard. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts, right? <laughs> yeah. So their idea of going hard was just, yeah, we'll hit our drop kicks and have fun. <laughs> We won't take any massive bumps, though, which they didn't. <laughs> yeah. No, it was good. It was good. And Akira Hokuto, in, in a way, just definitely, they definitely, like, took the, <laughs> took this opportunity to be like, all right, we're having the night off, brother. Debbie Malenko, Saki Asagawa. This was them defending the Japan tag titles against Mariko Yoshida and Mima Shimoda. 23 minutes, 15 seconds. This is what we were talking about, where it kind of cut to the last seven minutes of the match where things picked up a lot and it was a standard tag match for the good for a good chunk of it there was some there was some cool things between Saki Asagawa and uh Marika Yoshida <laughs> back with her shoulder pads I was devastated yeah she's back with the Prince Vegeta shoulder pads yeah don't uh I'm not a fan of these shoulder pads but I do like <laughs> making fun of them uh yeah they had the best sequence there but Debbie Malenko is so out of I don't want to say she's out of place because her style is definitely AJW. It's just her look, and she's very Tennessee. She very much stands out as the Gaijin. <laughs> oh, definitely. And there's like some points uh, that, at least not in, I don't think I saw it in this match, but I'd imagine there's some points in the full match where she looks a little lost. I don't even know if she's actually from Tennessee, but she sure looks like it. Where is she from, technically? From Texas. She said, I mean, it says she was born in Orlando. I don't believe that. Oh, hey, you know, there's some cowboys in Orlando. 
It's like me born in Utah, raised in Texas. <laughs> How does that work out? <laughs> uh, parents moved. That's how that works out. Just, just, a, just. How do you go from Texas to Utah? You, you go mean from Utah like, to Texas, buddy. Come on. Uh, so how do you go from the Mormons to the, the 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 alcohol and gun state? You act like guns are only in Texas. I saw the most guns <laughs> of my life when I was living in Michigan. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Did you go to Detroit? <laughs> No, I was in Upper Michigan, like closer to Minnesota. Ah, uh, it probably had a lot of guns just in case Detroit decides to escape Detroit, go to other cities. Yeah, Detroit was like ten hours away, buddy. <laughs> I wasn't even close. I mean, listen, if you if you drive through Detroit, which I've done yes, twice, yes, I've at driven least, through Detroit. It's it's an American yes. city, like any other. It looks it, it looks like a third world country. <laughs> it's the, like, of course, everyone has guns. You would want to drive through there without a weapon in your car you're, at some you're, point. Your uh, your labeling is on on key here. Utah's on nice key. Day. Yeah, your labeling. Oh, Utah Mormons. Oh, Texas guns. Oh, this that. Oh, I mean, hey, it's what's what's what they're for, right? It's what they're known for. Oh no, <laughs> that's what you Texas think is, they're known Texas for. Texas is definitely known for guns. Texas I, is known for a lot of things. Guns is just guns part is of one it. of them. Guns is America. I don't I don't know where all this labeling comes from, especially living. You we're getting off topic here. <laughs> what did you think of Debbie Blanco and Saki Asgao as a tag team? I thought the match was fun. I thought, like you said, it was a very standard match. It wasn't really a whole lot to write home about. Uh, I, 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 aside from us getting confused with the belts for a split second there, at least I did. Sure, yeah. I thought they were the the, the three AW the three WA belts, but they weren't until they they showed them finally. Yeah, I was like, kept oh, telling yeah, you, yeah, yeah. like they're not three WA tag champions. The I, I, Jungle I saw, Jack I saw, like, are. The, I saw like the side of it. And I was like, does those? When did they win the three WA belts? And he's like, no, Jungle Jack has. I was like, yeah, but those are definitely the three WA belts. And then they they showed them and they looked at them. And I was like, oh, okay, never mind, no, they're not. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea to have two titles with similar uh, plates and black straps. <laughs> They look really similar. That's why it's like I, so. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you could get rid of one of them or change the strap. Yeah, maybe. But it was just a standard tag match. It wasn't a whole lot to write home about. Bull Nakano defeats Kyoko in a way. Twenty-four minutes and sixteen seconds. This went. I didn't like this. Oh, we, very didn't, much. We, didn't, we didn't get the, we didn't get that much of it. Well, I saw the whole thing, but we saw. I don't know on the classics. What would you say? Ten minutes. Yeah, ten minutes is about what I was going to go with. I thought the match was great for what we saw of it, but it sounds like you saw the whole match and it wasn't as good as the last 10 minutes were. Well, it's a lot of Bull Nakano kind of wandering around the ring and Kyoko Inoue just laying, selling, and every once in a while she'll fire up and get blasted by Bull Nakano. It was a very just one-sided lumbering match for a great majority oh, that of sound, it. That sounds bad. It sounds like we got the only part of the match that was any good then. Yeah, so I think the classics were uh, <laughs> deceiving on at least what I think the match was at the end. Uh, I don't know what this match was for exactly. I know it's trying to build up Kyoko in a way further. Um, yeah, because we don't have any. Con- I don't think we have any concrete details on if the the Goku and Toe is like, split because these were a team like a couple sure months seems, back. And- it sure seems like it's split because Bulnakano and Hiro Hokuto were tagging in tag league. And in yeah. a way, Yamada were tagging. Now that's like split. So we we're definitely missing some context here of what yeah. led to this match. But um, from what I could tell, this is this is in a way being built up for a main event. She's not quite there yet. Uh, there's no. of course the internal story with Kokomonto that we've kind of gone into, and them finding different tag partners for tag league. But I mean, this is <laughs> at the end of March here. I don't know, yeah, it's a big it's match. it's a bit odd. I mean, it's, it's a it's big match. It's a bit odd match. to have they, it, I think. I thought it was a bit odd to have it, if that's the case. It just, I think it's like what you said. It's for to build way up, but build up for, for what? She doesn't win anything, at least that I can remember, major in, within this year. Maybe she wins the white belt? I don't remember anymore. Top of my head, at least. I think this was kind of her big singles uh, uh, test. To further be up the card, and this she is kind had of this hits bull. She already faced bull for the belt and lost. Yeah, and this is kind of a rematch to get up that and add something to the card. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of fans that were excited for the prospect of it, and if in a way could beat bull, then that could lead to a title match down the line. Um, 
perhaps I get, this is, I get, what you're, I get what you're saying. Yeah, perhaps this is a a big match they that they could plug in for uh for some house shows on the on the on the tour they could be building. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that you could kind of point to why this match happened. Uh, but my my feelings was the match just wasn't very good. It was very slow. Uh, Bull Nakano could I I don't know. It it didn't look like anyone was dealing with injuries. And yeah, but we know Bull is like walking around with injuries, like kind of like Hokuto with the fact that she's just constantly banged up. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone's banged up. It's wrestling. If if I was to kind of put some maybe theory on where we're heading with uh, clearly the goal is Aja Kong Bull Nakano. And as we find out, the uh, tag champions uh, have other plans. Maybe this is a way for Kyoko Inoue to be pushed aside as Aja Kong's going to fill this top end role. And she's going to go, she, she had, she, she's gone through her time gunning for the top. And now it's time for Akira Hokuto to be there. Uh, and a number of other talents. And I think we're going to start to see Kyoko Ine kind of slide into a tag role going for the tag titles. I can totally see that. I think that would make more sense for her to lose right now, given that she's on the back burner. She's not winning the belt, and she, I don't think she challenges for it again. Not that I, again, not that I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I think her, I think her, to, her I think her singles time is kind of over. I don't, I, I'm not familiar with the, where the all Pacific championship lies. They always seem to throw that, uh, throw that to the side. It's definitely like the, yeah. who, who has the belt? It's I, like I the forget fourth because most we important never title. It. <laughs> we, we, it's, it's kind of weird. It's held up and regarded as, as a great secondary belt, but Jesus Christ, they sure don't treat it like it, do they? Uh, Bison Kimura has it, I believe. It come out with it. Oh, well, let's see here. It's like, we don't see it so often. I often forget who even has the belt. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that constantly happens to me too. Because we just you do, you don't see the matches. Um, let's see here. We're April, or I'm sorry, March twentieth, nineteen ninety two. Let's see. I think Stardom books are white. Yeah, Bison Kimura is currently. Is. Yeah, Bison Kimura is still currently champion. And oh, there we go. I see something that happens in June. Kyoko Inoue wins the title. Sport. Okay, see, I, I couldn't remember if she'd won the white belt in, in this year. I guess why I was very unsure because I didn't think she won anything. Okay, that, oh, I guess that would make sense why she's having this, this bowl match now. Yeah, it's, it's going to cycle her down to that second tier level, and that's where she's going to be. So there you go. She's, her, entire uh, career, her entire career until 1996, but she finally wins the big one, and the company knows um, that. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of I see where things are heading with the All-Pacific title. This is kind of where Kyoko Inoue is going to be. For quite some time, so she's she's second tier. We won't be seeing all the classics. What you're trying to say? Because <laughs> I, I, ho- I hope we see. I hope we see some of these some of these all Pacific t- titles. And now I'm curious to see if because I mean, AJW has never been shy about kind of doubling doubling up people with belts. I mean, Bicycamora tag champion, all Pacific champion. A main event, we'll see somebody or two people get doubled up. So yeah, well, I, I'm I'm very curious uh, for. Akira Hokuto and Kyoko Inoue's role uh, going forward throughout the rest of 1992, um, especially in terms of kind of the tag division, because I'm very excited uh, where that is. So maybe maybe it being fourth was an understatement, but that's just how it feels, because we just rarely ever see it. We don't know if this title ever exists. Uh, the title matches are few and far between, like a boxing title, which they all are, which... I'll have more to say over the Joshi 2010s, how I feel about that, Ooh. Uh, found on the Patreon, or the free feed, if you want want to wait a few weeks, over at Big Egg, Big Joshi, Egg Podcast. Joshi Podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of weird, because again, like me, you, and everyone else, kind of, at least most people, tend to regard the, the off-Pacific belt as this like well-regarded belt, and sure, some big names held it, but it doesn't seem like the company seems to to treat it like it's the big belt at least not with the classics they don't well the classics sure feels like it's fourth <laughs> i mean honestly i made the comment uh, a little bit ago but i feel like stardom books their white belt better <laughs> but i don't i mean oh it's way probably better not sure i, I mean i think they're, mm, they're i think Star- right. i think stardom's white belt is one of the best belts in joshi yeah, I think it, the red belt, and the uh, Ice Cross Infinity belt are probably the most best booked belts in, in Joshi. 
I'd put the the tech and then I'd kind of have a yeah, then I'd have a tie between the Stardom Goddess tag titles and the Ice Ribbon tag titles, and then yeah, and then it gets a little fuzzy from well. there. I, I I guess the TJPW Pop title no, maybe no I mean, no. I mean, I'm I'm putting that at like seventh. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even putting it at seventh. I feel like the fucking artist belts are booked better than that damn thing. The artist belts have been booked very very in- intriguing and interesting. So they serve over a very specific purpose, and, and yeah, they serve I a like very it. specific purpose, and they are done excellently well, which is something that they did not always been done for in the history of those belts. Well, I think this can, is about yeah. the strongest they've been. Main event. That's a good topic we can do on the podcast proper or something at some point. Yeah. Main event. Title versus title. Unification match, K. Ooh, unifying belts. I like unifying belts. Yes, the three WA tag titles. Jungle, Jack, the Beasts, Aja Kong, and Bison Kimura. Three WA tag title champions they are. Against Manami Toyota and Toshio Yamada. UWA tag belts tag champions over from Mexico that are totally not ripoffs of the WWF tag titles of the no, 90s. No, I don't know what possibly give you that idea. Nah, they have a Mexican flag on them. Way different. <laughs> they're, they're royalty free. Don't they have tag belts? <laughs> this is a match of the year contender for 1992. Oh, yeah, it was great. Jesus. At first, you had Aja Kong just kind of. Uh, no, that's the second ball that they start brawling on the crowd, right? They have it remembered. I, remember I mean, it they brawl through order. the crowd. So if you watch the full 37 minutes, they brawl through the crowd at least two people at some point uh, intermittently throughout the entire time in each of the right. three falls. Because, spoiler, two out of three falls matches always go three falls. <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of crazy how that works, right? It's, it's almost like how you're supposed to book them, right? You want to hear a theory I have? Sure, shoot. So... I've been watching a lot of Lucha Libre, uh, especially because of the Observer Hall of Fame voting that's come. Mr. Bigwig over here. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I'm Mr. Big Shot. And I'm watching all these two out of three falls matches, how the UWA uh, was integral in uh, starting that and how it carried over into AJW uh, because AJW was very much uh, involved in a lot of CMLL and UWA. Uh, type stuff back then so it carried over into this promotion and my theory how far back we talking how far back we talking because they were were doing this way back in beauty pair and black pair and that's like the 70s yeah lucha libre goes into it i think uwa started in the 70s or early 80s or something but uh the two out of three falls stip uh wasn't normalcy until AJW and kind of the UWA really started uh, doing that a lot, and the timeline kind of matches up between the two. Yeah, because I remember they, because I mean, Beauty Pair and Black Pair were like like late sixties, early seventies, mid seventies, and they always had best best two or three falls matches to the point where I think that maybe is what made them keep it the standard because they got so much out of the crowd with those. Because yeah, mean, the Beauty UWA was, started like, so in nineteen seventy five. Okay, so yeah, I think they might have done it beforehand. Then uh, AGW, that is, I, I could be a little off on that though. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, when I was trying to line up the timeline, because this is where the theory kind of started, I think they they all kind of came to the same <laughs> uh, booking patterns together with the two out of three falls matches. It, it just seemed too. It seemed too coincidental that. When it started in Lucha Libre becoming popular, AJW also had it becoming popular in that same time frame. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, no, uh, they debuted, uh, Jackie Sato did, one half of Beauty Pair in mm-hmm. uh, 75. So that would line up, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that cool? I don't think I ever put that together. Yeah. So the reason why I bring it up is with the Stardom and their crazy amount of uh, You're the Draw, that we've been super into. I think this yeah. could start to lead to a lot of two out of three falls matches. Especially uh, in terms of tag wrestling, which I think would be really, really fun to do for big matches. I feel like that would work for big matches, but then you would only be able to do them on big matches because then the smaller ones, you don't want to overdo that for like, I don't know. I, I make it, I can see them doing it. 
like you said, but I feel like the odds are they're not going to do that. They're just going to keep booking the way they've been booking, and I don't think two or three falls matches are going to... I don't know. I think bringing it back, they... I think bringing, bringing that style back uh, could have... It, it could give, give you some juice in different booking strategies going forward and I think the thing that that makes me think it won't happen is, is such a not it hasn't been done for so so long well that's why that i think it's gonna happen because it's been so long <laughs> well i well that's why i think it's not gonna happen oh, I think, oh, you, I, I think come on you don't like my this... bold theory i think the bold theory is fun uh, to talk about I, 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 like, I, like I feel like your bold theory is a little little off oh, i think you're i think you're out to the nut house on that one man Tag League Finals should absolutely be a two out of three falls match. I think that'd be sweet. I, no. I think that would do you, be sick. Do you, why would you wish that on part people? Because sometimes the Tag League matches aren't very good. Two? Are you kidding me? This year's Tag League has been great. This year's Tag League and last year's have been the two best ones. But, I mean, just remember the year prior to that. The year prior to that. Fucking well, Toro talent, made it. Look, one. man, the, ta- the talent is so much better than what it was two years ago. And congruently with AJW here, the talent is so much better than it was two years ago. So you're saying this? And then watch when when you eat your words when they have a Konami and Nascotora team make the finals. Well, that can't happen this year, now can it? It could happen next year, though. Well, maybe they'll maybe maybe they'll improve. <laughs> Toro improving. Okay. So yes, this match was a match of the year candidate. This was fan fucking tastic. It went thirty-seven minutes. The first fall was eleven minutes in. The second fall was twenty-one minutes in, and that third fall. 37 minutes. Oh, beautiful stuff. Manami Toyota and Toshi Yamada are, br- are they're, they're as good as bread and butter. They're as good as... Oh, they're brilliant. As they're as good team. as beer and bratwurst. They're as good as wine and a good red steak. I love this team. And Aja Kong and Baisakamura. Kay, they have held <laughs> these fucking three WA tag titles basically since December of 1990. They've had these suckers for basically a year and a half uh, with a couple little DQ vacations and whatnot (laughs) (laughs) shortly in between. But they've had these have been their titles forever. And just as long as Bull Nakano has had that three WA title on lockdown, it is it is her possession. Jungle Jack owns it. (laughs) Yeah. Jungle Jack have done everything they can to be the beasts uh, of the of the East. If you will, it's for a Bam Bam Bigelow reference. <laughs> okay. Look, they are. They and and I was it was just before we started this match where I realized, God, I could really use some fresh fe- faces at the the top of these of this tag division. And Toyota and Yamada, with Yamada getting a huge push uh right out of the gate, uh coming back from Mexico with Kyoko Inaway, and then Toyota kinda having what Kyoko Inoue role has been over the last uh, year or so, uh, mm-hmm. having chance, you know, winning the Grand Prix, having chances at the top, but not succeeding, not quite. Her falling into this role with Yamada, I think, is a perfect place for her at this point in time in '92. Oh yeah, so you see what I'm talking, what I've been talking about this entire time, how I think this is the team that has the best chemistry I've seen. In AJW, they play so well off of each other. And there's points in the match, I don't know if you noticed, where they're not even communicating, but they know what the other person is about to do. When well, it helps when they... And Yamada immediately runs over and kicks him in the head. Like, without it, it even helps having what, It helps anything. when they have wrestled each other in those singles matches for as long as they did and know what each other's going to do. Uh, they clearly have been doing a lot of uh, house shows together in some form of fashion. Clearly, yeah. And... The the difference in styles versus a Kong and Kimura uh, works so well for this match. Power versus speed, basically. And different kinds of speed. Toyota's a high flyer with a lot of speed, and Yamada's a striker with a lot of speed, while Kong and Kimura are just badass, powerful motherfuckers ready to blast you with lariats and spin and backfist your ass out of the air. Because <laughs> they do a oh, lot of that. that's nuts. Because you look at the it's size nuts. difference. Kong is... Just wide, and Kimura is tall and beefy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's there, there's a very big difference between the two. Uh, also, on the note that they've held these both for so long, they held these both so long, I forgot who they took them off of and swore up and down with me with you that I swear they took them off of Kyoko in a way and in Bull Nakano. Surely, 
they took him off the fucking Marine Wolves, who haven't been a thing for like a long time now. Yeah, that's how long it's been. <laughs> I it was so long. I was like, Hokuto no, and Manami haven't... <laughs> haven't been tagging for ages. <laughs> I was like, surely they didn't take him off of the. They took him off of a more recent team. No, <laughs> Marine Wolves. Jesus Christ. Um, also. Worth note, this is, I think, the first time that we've seen on the classics, not the first time that it's happened, when I'm going to finish somebody else off with the uh, Japanese Ocean Suplex, or Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex, the JOC. Uh, yeah, that was, that was she Fall 1. With yeah, yeah, that was Fall 1 in Bison, and uh, she didn't quite get her up all the way, but look, man, Bison no. Kimura, she is in phenomenal shape. Her shoulders are jacked. Her back muscles are just uh, popping she off gets, the screen. She gets, she gets more jacked, by the way. She gets yeah, more jacked. she is a fitness machine. <laughs> and then on the other side, you got Aja Kong, who's just this this wide, well, can I say gorilla? Her name's Aja Kong. Uh, you can just call her King Kong, because she, that's pretty much what she fucking is. Yeah, it, it's just, she <laughs> she pops in this match every once in a while and just... Just wrecks shit. <laughs> she just rolls someone over like a steamroller. It's awesome. Uh, speaking that, of, she's crazy. She's she she went through the crowd at one point, and, and this is kind of getting a little ahead of the match. But she goes through the crowd uh, after the first fall, so mad. She's tossing, I believe it's uh, Yamada around, and then she just fucking goes down like a couple steps, grabs the barricade, lifts it, and walks through the crowd, almost hitting people in the head with the damn thing. Yeah, it's and kind it of her go-to move. It at Yamada. Is to rip things off hinges, and she's like, oh, guardrail mine. <laughs> she, she she loves the barricade, the Cork and Hall steel barricade that they sometimes use. She just loves grabbing that damn thing, because she always goes for it and just hoofs it over her head and chucks it at people. Yeah, and ever since that uh, Kong... be damned. <laughs> ever since that Kong, uh, Bolnikano, just wreck fest... Where there's just chairs and shit flying fans everywhere. Run. The fans, fans run are now <laughs> fleeing from Aja Kong like she's parting the Red it's Sea. It's crazy. Because <laughs> we see that the first week they go to the crowd, the first thing we see is fans are just fucking going as far as away as they can. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like the hold them, remember how the wrestlers used to have to hold them back? Because yeah. they'd be stuck in their seats? They don't have to do that no more. <laughs> no, they just they just flee on their own accord. It's, it's fantastic. Toshi Yamada is looking great. Toyota's looking great. Uh, the second fall is Kong just blasting Yamada, no chance. And they keep trying, they keep teasing that uh, top rope power bomb that Kong does, but she can never ever get someone quite up there, and it's always terrifying. Uh, the third fall is Yamada pinning uh, Bison Kimura here a, sec- uh, a second time. It's uh, yeah, so Kimura eats two falls. No, Kong eats the eats the third fall. That's what leads to the big like yeah. post match angle. Yeah, he uh, gets so, angry and rips the belt in half. Yeah, she. So what happens is Yamada, uh, Toyo- Toyota hits a moonsault. Yamada hits the uh, like jumping, I guess question mark kick that she does out out of the air and pins Kong and. Kong just throws a fit because usually it's this big post-match ceremony where they take all these pictures and uh, oh you missed you missed you missed a certain part of the match actually because I think it's this is where the fall ha- uh, fall happened slightly before so they have Kong up they're both um Toyota and and um Yamada are trying to get Kong up onto Yamada I think to kind of throw her they're trying to both assist throw her off the top rope like power right. bomber oh yes and- this fall and she and she is they can't get her. And you can see Kong just mouth just fucking chuck me in Japanese. They do. <laughs> and she lands right on her fucking head. Yeah, so they're going for a double super backdrop off the top, and Kong yeah. has her feet placed uh can't on the turnbuckle so she can kick off. But she's still in the sitting position. And yeah, as you said as you say, yeah, this is right at the end. Uh and as you say, she just kind of says, just go, go for it. And I think the idea was to completely flip uh, Aja Kong inside out so she lands on her stomach. But she doesn't get, o- get all the way over, and she just brains herself head first on the mat. And luckily, that kind of led directly to the finish there. Uh, but she does, of course, kick out of that, which is kind of funny. Oh, yeah, it was nuts. But it was like, it was a really scary spot because... Because I feel like clearly her career was shortened at least 15 years. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think in that spot, I feel like part of the blame was on Kong because she was leaning back too much. They couldn't get her up to balance her. That was a lot of the issues because that's what they kept taking so long. They kept trying to balance her so they can get her up there so that she can get the height, right? She needed because she wasn't her feet were there on the ropes, but they weren't all the way on the ropes. They were kind of on the ropes at an angle. 
not where you would want them to be, where they're kind of yeah, straight up on the run. Yeah, she was leaning back up. too much instead of being yeah. at, being more vertical. It was, it was very strange. I go, what are they doing? Is she gonna? Is Kimura gonna come 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 out of nowhere? But no, they <laughs> he flipped her anyways, and she went head first. Uh, yeah, in the post match, Aja Kong's devastated. She's pissed off that she's lost her title. She rips the title away uh, to not give it to Toyota and Yamada, and she is actively breaking this title. She's she throwing runs into the it. crowd. She, she runs, runs into the crowd so they can't get her. Yeah, she they, runs into the she crowd. She's it. banging this title against the announce table. Uh, the entire side plate breaks off in half. And uh, I believe she cracks the center plate because then when uh, Yamada, of course, gets this title handed of to course, her. Of course, she gets the Mad Cats controller. <laughs> so they have their UWA tag titles around their waist and then they're holding uh, the three WA tag titles in their in their hands uh, folded and uh, presented. And Yamada's just like, look at this thing. It's broken. Uh, so a lot of heat for Kong. It's going to be interesting how they go through the rest of the, uh, well, when we get into the summer and we're heading to the fall, how they can uh, reheat up Kyoko Inoue uh, for where they place her uh, and how they heat up Aja Kong uh, into the main event. I'm now super curious. Obviously, Bison Kimura being the All-Pacific title, we know where she lies. She's still uh, very fine. Who are going to be the tag the 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 people to challenge for these tag titles against Toyota and Yamada. That's where I have a lot of excitement going forward. Probably won't see it for a good while because of how these belts are defended usually. Uh, my guess, my guess, we'll probably see the first offense be like Hota and somebody. That's usually how that goes, right? It's usually a lesser person that's not going to win the belt. Yeah, maybe. It's a good chance of that. <clears throat> okay. I think that does it for all Japan women.